Squeezer, do you know exactly what it is you're never going to get? Uh, Hiding this down? No. A podcast where I don't say something stupid. Oh, I see where we're going with this. Yeah. <clears throat> That's how we're starting to show off. For 1992, with a hit song from En Vogue, My Lovin', you're never going to get it. Not this time. Not this time. So, before we move on to go back to 1992. I was told, I don't believe it, but I was told I made a pretty little blunder last week. For, I don't want to say we are the smartest people in the room, but there's at least a combination of uh, post-high school education. I don't even think this uh, even comes up in college. I'm pretty sure you learn this by the time you're in maybe fifth grade. Uh, well, uh, geometry? Yeah, I, I'm i pretty sure, like, I don't know if you get to that many size. In third grade, I'm pretty sure you're, you know, I think you're up to at least 10 sides of a shape. Let's just, uh, we'll just play the clip. And, All uh, right, well, here it is. I don't know people. what it said, but. And then they had the weird peripherals, like uh, the activator, uh, which was this, like, the pentagon? Yeah. Was it was it ten? I think so. I, I don't have the exact specifics, but you'd stand in the middle of this thing and it's supposed to be uh, do I sound like that? Who's the more foolish? The fool or the fool who follows? <laughs> I didn't have the exact specifics. I had a warning. <laughs> Tentagon. I can't math squeezer and geometry technically <laughs> is math. We all know it's a decagon, right? Like we knew what? it, a saying it. A decagon, yeah. Like a like a deck, like a like a patio. Yeah. A decagon. Yes. Like if a transformer comes to your neighborhood and steps on your back deck, your decagon. Or like a decade. <laughs> oh yeah, ten years. All right. <laughs> What's eleven sides of a polygon? Uh, an elevenagon. Oh, that sounds right. Yeah. Stranger things, huh? Um, oh, yeah. that I, I when I something was off when we had the conversation and it didn't quite register and I wasn't sharp enough to catch it. But then listening, fucking I'm like, knife over here. Wow, that was that was a rough one. <laughs> and in an alternate dimension, I hit one of those telephone poles, and when that uh, when that came across, <laughs> always with the drama and scenarios. Uh, Anyway, we're talking about 1992, not the stupid things that come out of my mouth. I have a whole show to say plenty of stupid things. I'm sure you said some dumb shit in 1992. All right. Well, I was kind of quiet. I was 10. Oh, that's true. You're getting your head stuck in in, <laughs> indoors. I was much younger when that happened. I was like five when that happened. Uh, 1992, a leap year. So it's, yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, uh, dumb stuff, uh, remember when George Bush threw up on the prime minister of Japan? Yes. Yeah, that's that was nineteen ninety two when you did it. So hey, I got I got some news about that uh -oh. we that ties into a past podcast. Oh yeah. So for the first time in twenty years, the Ninja Turtles are teaming up with Usagi Yojimbo once again in comic book form. No shit. You yeah, know what? This I... summer, and it'll be in his book. Nice. Because it's going to be a special hard copy, hardcover copy out. I heard mumblings. I didn't hear anything hard. I'm, I'm going to be purchasing that. Um, 
yeah, I, well, we could go to encounter our local weird comic book store and pick up a few copies. And one read, one to Mylar bag and store and pristine condition forever and ever and ever. Why? The one I buy to read is going to be in pristine condition forever. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'll buy two copies. Okay. You can buy your one. Well, buy two. One for Squeezette to bite and chew and gnaw. On. She loves her binding. So, 1992, uh, Yugoslavia becomes a country. Slovenia and Croatia are created. The Cold War well, is declared right. over. The Cold War was declared over. Uh, the 1992 Winter Olympics. Mike Tyson was found guilty. Jeffrey Dahmer goes to jail. Steli Liebich, remember, do you know her? No. She's that uh, lady that burned herself in the McDonald's oh, coffee and tried shit. to sue him. Yeah. yeah. And became the, the poster child for frivolous lawsuits. Uh, and assholes. Lost Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The last one was published. Windows 3.1 hit stores. Euro Disney. Which was the first version with internet connectivity. No shit. Is that the Netscape Navigator? No, or is it no, like no, a, no, no, no. Windsock. Windsock? Yeah, and yeah. When, you know, Windsocks are like things they have at airports, so like <laughs> you know where the wind's blowing. It's probably just as effective as getting on the internet. Euro Disney. Uh, Freddie Mercury dies. The LA Riots. Uh, Johnny Carson has the last show. The 27th Amendment was finally passed. That's uh, saying that Congress can't give themselves raises. Uh, they don't take effect until next time around. Do you know when that was proposed? Mm, 1757. <laughs> yes, it was proposed roughly before 25 years before the con- <laughs> Constitution. Constitution was ratified. Uh, 1789, uh, when they were trying to ratify the Bill of Rights, there were 12. Oh, so I was close. Yeah, you were right century. <laughs> um, just before this was a country, not... After uh, it was took two hundred and two years, seven months, and ten days to ratify. Uh, Summer Olympics were in Barcelona. Remember Ruby Ridge? No. Uh, the in Idaho, and they shot the guy, his dog, and his wife and the family. The raid in Ruby Ridge. No. I don't collect tragedies like baseball cards, like you do. Those you dino, like, those dino attack cards are pretty awesome. I think though. that was a joke in the Adam Sandler movie. Remember she's oh, um, uh, no 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 Amy no, no. Fisher. Yeah, she the Amy Fisher card. Yeah, Amy Fisher. Yeah. And Lizzie Borden, right? <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah. Uh oh, speaking of fun, Hurricane Andrew. Uh Cartoon Network. Sinead O'Connor rips up the picture of the Pope on SNL. Oh yeah. And uh, then uh, uh Joe Pesci went on later and pet what taped it back together? I don't remember. Really? Yeah. Huh. He's a good Italian boy. Yeah. Uh the end of the world did not happen in South Korea. Uh, Pope JP2 uh, apologizes and lifts the edict of inquisition on Galileo. That was nice of him. Uh, Bill Clinton wins. Uh, Princess Diane Charles separate. Uh, some birthday or some uh, some babies were born. Uh, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley Jeez. were both born in 1992. <sighs> But some people died. Hey, dude, I was up until four in the morning writing this list. I'm going to finish this damn list. I'll go quick. Isaac Asimov died. Benny Hill died. Robert Reed died. Aladdin brought in $500 million. Batman Returns. Sister Act. Best Picture was Unforgiven. Director was Eastwood. I'll skip over a whole bunch. Uh, War Machine is introduced. We get Spawn. James Bond Jr. gets a comic book. Punisher Warzone. Azrael makes his first appearance. Shadow of Bat was also published. 
Kurt marries Courtney. Never mind goes number one. I will always love you was a hit. Forty ounces to freedom. Automatic for the people. Rage against the machine. Right. Dirt. Chronic. Check your head. Little earthquakes. That wonderful Tori Amos album. Bodyguard. Home Alone two. Basic Instinct, Lethal Weapon 3, A Few Good Men, and Wayne's World. Also on TV shows. Remember Ghost Rider? It was like on PBS or some shit. That Ghost Rider? I thought you said Rider. 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 Skull, Flaming Skull, Motorcyclist. Yeah, but he also wrote like mysteries with a a hand or some shit. Real World, Larry Sanders, Goof Troop, Camp Candy, Leno took over, of course. Uh, Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Uh, Super Mario Kart also came out. Mortal Kombat, we talked about that. Night Trap. We didn't mention Night Trap. Was that for, the Sega CD game? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that thing was uh, like a porn Echo, game. Echo, Kirby, Sonic 2, uh, and then Six Golden Coins. Uh, Super Bowl 26, Redskins beat the Bills. So that's two now in a row if we keep going. With, With the whole uh, Blue Jays beat the Braves in six. Bulls win the NBA thingy. Duke beat someone. Uh, Riddick Bowe in 12 uh, rounds decisioned Holyfield to be the undisputed champion. De La Hoya is the only U.S. Olympian to win a gold medal in Spain. The NHL their strike. Penguins won the cup. And then for me, it was uh, this was a big year for me. Uh, Alan Kowicki won the Winston Cup. Yes, it was the Winston Cup then. And Davey Allison won the Daytona 500. And that's when I was all in because I was a big fan of those two guys. And uh, within a year, they what were both that? dead. Car racing? Yeah, NASCAR. Oh. That's when I was a big fan. And then within a year, they both died in aviation accidents. So I was also a big Payne Stewart fan. Who's that? Uh, he was a golfer, the guy with had the socks. So just a word of advice. If you're a, a professional athlete or someone of some importance and I'm a fan of yours, do not get in an airplane or a helicopter. Also, if you're a race car driver, don't call yourself a professional athlete. D- Takes a lot of work. <clears throat> Constructive criticism time. Okay. Next time we do a year, mm-hmm. let's just pull the highlights. <laughs> Those were the highlights. I had to trim that down. Good God. All right, let's get into the show. Well, and you I- kept interrupting me. I couldn't finish. <laughs> you didn't know what Ruby Ridge was, so I had to stop. Oh, boy. Uh, that's going to be our first merch. I'll make a wax pack of uh, Squeezer's Tragic Events <laughs> trading cards. <laughs> Sell them to you with a stick of bubblegum in them. Let's get to our first pick, Squeezer. Without further ado, or no more gilding the lily. What's Snick? Uno. Snick is the only place to watch Clarissa Explains It All. Snick. Dose. Snick is the roundhouse nonstop hip-hop comedy shop. Snick. Liz. Snick is where the new episodes of Ren and Stimpy premiere. Snick is the all-new nightmares of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Snick is... El Tiempo Primo. Primetime Saturday night. Four Nick shows that Snick. Every Saturday starting at 8. Snick. Primo. So, Squeezer, when we were kids, the big night was Friday, TGIF. Sure. Those were kids' shows. 1992 dawned a little more uh, adult. It was probably the beginning of the idea of tweens. Because that's the target audience for SNCC. Although we were 10, perhaps 9 at the time, it still felt we were watching a little something more mature. It felt like it was my my SNL. I got to... Well, yeah, we had Clarissa Explains It All at 8 p.m. Roundhouse, which was a sketch comedy show yeah. at 8.30. Ren and Stimpy, which 
no kid at 10 no. or 20 should be watching. Even even the, those versions that aired. Yeah. And then Are You Afraid of the Dark at 9.30. Scared the hell out of me. Yeah. But it was great. It was... So... Uh, it, do you know about Catholics? Uh, they they created a, a little loophole about waking up early on Saturday. You could go Sunday evening to church. Did you ever hear that? No, that is a uh, <clears throat> so that's new to me. So we always liked it when our parents would be like, "All right, tonight we're going to uh, the four thirty mass at church." So mm-hmm. that means we're sleeping in Sunday morning. Oh, sat on Saturday. Yeah, you get you okay. you get your Sunday out of the way Saturday at four thirty. It was a popular option in our household with us kids because um, I thought like you were supposed to go both days. Oh no, oh, no, you go one day a week. All right, in Catholicism, it was more about the bare minimum. You really had to just make an appearance and dress mm-hmm. nice. You know, keep up. It was all about keeping up appearances and um, you know uh, the social circle of of the Catholic Church. Sure. So regardless, we, we, it was mass and then it was occasionally a treat like Wendy's or Burger King or Ooh. McDonald's perhaps. Then back to the house and our parents loved it because we were glued to the TV for that two hours before bed and it was snack. And, you know, it, like I said, adult, like Clarissa explains it all, was, uh, she was a teenager and she was dealing with things like her relationship with her brother Ferguson mm-hmm. and that creepy guy Sam who had just put a ladder up and come into her window and her relationships with her parents, her school, and her life in general. Uh, Roundhouse, I, did Roundhouse spawn all that? Uh, it, yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, it, it generally, you can assume, I don't know if it came directly from that, but because that show existed, they down the road figured, let's, let's do another one. So yeah, Roundhouse was uh, um, created by a former writer of In Living Color. So clearly it had some chops. Um, then Ren and Stimpy show. Uh, are you kidding me? Uh, Johnny K's most influential show and great animation and so absurd and weird. Uh, I mean, if you've never watched Ren and Stimpy, get, get your butt to YouTube and it's, find some clips. It's the one show that made me vomit <laughs> like physically. It was able to trigger me to... Uh, I lo- you loved it. Though, I was right? already sick, but yeah. it was I, the house of next Tuesday when uh, they have the whale regurgitates all over Stimpy <laughs> and I was homesick watching it oh. and it made me throw up. Powdered toast man. Clinch my buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> the Pope was clinching his buttocks, I believe, and the Catholics, speaking of Catholics, and he stuck his face in between powdered toast man's butt because Power Toast Man saved him. Yeah, the Catholic Church wasn't happy about that. And then, of course, there was Are You Afraid of the Dark, which uh, had a couple of uh, the Midnight Society sitting around a fire. Mm-hmm. And uh, each week, a new member would be able to tell this scary story, which then they'd you know, be acted out for us. And it was legit scary. It, it was so unrealistic, though. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no way those kids wouldn't be drinking shitty beer <laughs> yeah, right. while they were there. And there'd be a a half a, like a third of a liquor bottle that they stole from the liquor cabinet. Right. The best thing about Snick too is it'd go into the summer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was a still summer thing. And um, Adventures of Pete and Pete would eventually join that That, that wasn't an original? No, that joined I in feel the, like the it, following like year. I feel like it should have it been. It, just... it was uh, 93 to midsummer 94. Then in nine, 94... Uh, which one I started following out of it? Secret World of Alex Mack. I remember that. I was but, a big fan. Of that. Yeah, and then um, this is one I don't. I don't remember Space Cases at all. Do you remember that one? 
the space cases. Apparently, it's oh, it's Canadian. It's not the one that I've been trying to track down all these years, is it? I'm trying to figure it out. It was. Let's see, plot. Mark Hamill was on it. No, that couldn't no. have been it then. The series opens in a space academy orbiting Pluto with a small group uh, of mi- misfits are kept behind from a field trip. I don't remember this at all. I'd have If I saw it, it might pop in there, but I don't recall this at all. No, mine, I think, was a British show that I'm trying to think of. So then the Adventures of Pete and Pete were still on, and then they went into all that. Uh, well, I said all that was already. Then uh, the Mystery Files of Shelby Wu and Kablam. Uh, then Rugrats joined it. Rugrats was played earlier. Uh, before they joined this lineup. Then, uh, this is when I really fell off. The Journey of Alan Strange, don't know that, never heard of it. Cat Dog, I know of it, but never really watched it. Animorphs, Keenan and Kel got their own show, The Angry Beavers, and, you know, so on and so forth. But then uh, then they revamped it with Snick House, and they got the Amanda Show, uh, Double Dare 2000. They took a shot, crack at that. Mm-hmm. I watched it when it was on. Mm-hmm. So, anyway... Uh, Snick, that was our first block of programming that I felt gave us a little more mature outlook on yeah. life. Like we, we had the, we had the cartoon blocks after school and, uh, you know, Saturday mornings, but this felt like we were, you felt like a grown up yeah, watching it. Yeah. This is, this, this is my, our block and our parents were not interested at all in no. watching with us. Maybe TGIF they watch with us. Yeah. They were family shows. Right. But Snick, these were these definitely were marketed to kids. Targeted, targeted directly kids. to us. So yeah, that was my first pick. Are you ready for yours? Let's take the uh, let's take the the kid programming into prime time. All right. This is the great ABC animated mouse drama, Capital Critters. Uh, I only know Capital Critters from their liquidated, marked down, <laughs> like foam bendy toys mm-hmm. that they sold that were about six to seven inches tall. Yep. Bought one at Lionel Kitty City. Oh, sweet. That's where I got my swing set on layaway. So Capital Critters, um, created by... Uh, Stephen Bochco. I don't know. He's fairly successful. He had a couple shows under his belt. Uh, Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, uh, Doogie Howser, and NYPD Blue. We can see a bit of success. That's probably yeah. the only reason this show got greenlit. Yeah. Like, and well, this guy's fucking gold. Let's give it to him. He teamed up with Hanna-Barbera. Um, and uh, the whole thing was, at the time, ABC, CBS, and NBC are like, hey, if Fox can pull off this Simpson thing, so can we. So let's throw an animated show on. Um, I liked it as a kid. Um, I'll get into it, why it really probably messed me up more than it should have. Um, Only seven episodes ever aired. Uh, Well, aired originally. They made 13. It ran from January to March of 92. Eventually in 1995, Cartoon Network, which was created in 1992, eventually ran all 13. Uh... The star of the show was a mouse named Max, and he was voiced by the great Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, so he's keeping it in his family. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, You see a lot of this. Uh, uh, Charlie Adler 
uh, who was the voice of Buster Bunny, which basically uh, uh, Jamet the uh, rat that becomes his like side, got his uh, what was the his the guy's name and uh, Fievel who was like gave him the nickname or whatever. He's a little companion. Ah, okay. It's basically Buster Bunny with a Jersey accent. Ah, all right. Uh, and then uh, Frank Welker did the rats. Mm. Uh, Frank Welker, uh, he was Freddy, Scooby-Doo, Droopy, pretty much every Decepticon, and he was also Ray and Slimer in Ghostbusters. And he was also at RetroCon last year. Was he? Yeah. And we walked right by? <laughs> I pointed him out. Oh, man. He was doing um, voicemail messages. Oh, man. Could got Dr. Claw. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? Uh, Abu from uh, Aladdin. Or I would have just had him do one of the Mars Attacks aliens and yes. just irritate people. <laughs> um, so what they were trying to do with this is make a more adult-themed cartoon like The Simpsons was. But The Simpsons, although adult-themed, it was more it was adult humor with a more juvenile, fun theme. Right. Um, this, you could tell this was created by a guy... Just look at these titles. Hill Street Blues, L.A. Law, NYPD Blue. There's a procedural. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's that, but it's also, you know, they're a little on the, the dark side. I mean, we're not going to see Dennis Franz's ass in this, mm. but at the 3.30 mark of the pilot episode, uh, we get to see Max. Now we are now three minutes into the show. We get to see Max uh, watch his mother and his family be brutally murdered on uh by uh uh what are they called pest control exterminators we watch max's mother die hmm. from a gas attack as she's clinging to a cage hmm. and he runs as they attempt to murder him with a shovel sounds about right and that's how the show starts well you got to go out with the yeah. ba- start well, out with the bat well the first like two and, and like a half a minutes the first two minutes is like all real bubbly and fun and happy and then they just m- literally murder a little mouse family and I mean they also show like he has like all these little brothers and sisters they don't actually see the little baby mice get killed as because I guess you still shouldn't kill cartoon kids on <laughs> TV but it was brutal and then she's like you have to go to Washington DC and live with your cousin. Like that, that was my, oh, that's how he gets there. Yeah, how then, long did it last? It was a half hour show. You're, oh, seven episodes. Run. Oh, seven episodes. Yeah, yeah. They made 13, only seven, only seven aired. Did was there a DVD released with all 13? I'm sure there is, but like I said, uh, Cartoon Network aired all of them. Cartoon Network was it on Adult Swim? I hope. I, I don't know. This was 95. No, Adult Swim wasn't around in 95. Yeah. Shit. But yeah, it was the problem. I think what really did it was the animation didn't match the themes they were looking for. It looked like a regular Hanna-Barbera cartoon. But if you're going to have Yogi act like a real bear and cannibalize Boo Boo to put the other female bears in heat, it's going to be kind of awkward, and that's kind of what they did here. It was just way, way too dark, way too adult for the animation. Even, even if oh, the yeah, writing it looks like a, um, it looks like a Don Bluth movie. Yeah, I had that that the white mouse with the Hawaiian shirt. That was one of the ones I had. 
uh, like the stoner professor. Oh, is that what he was? I think so. I never watched yeah. the show. I just had this, the toy. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's uh But that, scary. it definitely, it definitely, oh, here's yeah. a picture of a mouse standing on a revolver. <laughs> I just Google image search oh. the show. Oh, and there's the, there's the toys. Yeah. Crap, little critter. So they probably had a whole, a whole run of this shit and, um, didn't really pan out, did it? Well, that's that's the nineties for you. Maybe in the maybe in the era of Netflix and streaming and cable television, Capital Critters might have lived past thirteen episodes, but <clears throat> in the network era, what can you do? Shall we? Shall oh. Before we get to my next one. Okay. I have a, I want, I'm going to describe a movie to you, Squeezer. Okay. And I want you to tell me what that movie is. Okay. It's about a guy who gets transformed from his regular self into a world that he doesn't belong in, but he resembles them all of a sudden. And he's very ignorant at first, but comes to realize that this area needs to be saved because he's there to, he's there to, to, to destroy it and mm-hmm. mine it for all its resources. But once he, he becomes part of it, he realizes that there's something more precious there that needs to be saved, and we shouldn't destroy it. And meanwhile, falling in love with um, the woman who put him in that position to begin with, and there's a spirit that lives in a tree. There's enemies that want to take down uh, the forest, but he helps fight them. Have you heard of a movie like this? Uh, I'm going to say that's, that's pretty easy. I'm going to go with Avatar. Uh, you're wrong. It was this movie. Get ready for spine-tingling excitement. Let's go! As 20th Century Fox invites the entire family on a magical adventure with Zack. This is so incredible. Krista. This is a human. You're a little old to believe in human tails. And Batty. Humans don't have tails. They have big, big bottoms that they wear with bad shorts. To discover a place you'll always remember on an adventure you'll never forget. Fern Gully, rated G, starts Friday, April 10th at theaters everywhere. Yes, Squeezer. <laughs> when I was in theater watching Avatar, and I loved it, it was a, it was a beautiful movie, but I'm like, oh, eh. this was uh, Fern Gully. Fern Gully. Yeah, Fern Gully was a movie that came out in 92, and it kind of came out in a, in a hot bed of protecting the rainforest that, mm-hmm. that started in the 90s when deforestation was on the rise. Before we realized that, hmm, we're going to die if we... Wipe the world of all our natural wait, resources. Wait, these things make air, <laughs> right? We, but we can make air, can't we? Oh no, <laughs> hmm. I uh, breathe all the time. Yeah, right. So it, it got great reviews. I had the the, the there's tons of tie-ins because like uh, it was it was in all the troll and scholastic books because it, it was a movie with a message sure. that they wanted the youth of America to to see. And I had, I had like a book that was like, everyone had pencils and, and pencil cases and, and folders and notebooks. It got great reviews. Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars saying that it was visually very pleasing and told a useful lesson. Um, and he goes, I, I'm sure great auteurs will steal this and turn it into animated movies of their own in the future. When did Dances with Wolves come out? <laughs> oh, because it's kind of the same. <laughs> I think to be fair, this is a story that goes back ages. 1990. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, but no, Pocahontas the, the, was also very similar. Sure. Uh, but Fern, no, Fern Gully really did. 
also the setting too kind of gives you that sense of Avatar-esque. Right. Uh, I remember um, there was a big promotion at Blockbuster. They had these like cardboard play sets that they were either giving away or we were won like a little raffle thing because our card number got drawn and they had this like promotional stuff and you would, you know, you got like the sheets and you would punch it out and fold it together and you had your little Fern Gully play set that, you know, I'm sure my parents were slightly, mildly irritated. Like, really? We got you. You have the G.I. Joe General and you're playing with this <laughs> cardboard cutout, this rejected Happy Meal box right. that the guy that we rent videotapes from gave you. Well, funny thing is, this was 1992. You said Aladdin also came out this year? The star voice in Aladdin was... Oh, Robin Williams. He was also in this movie as Batty. That, yeah. So the, I, You could hear his voice in the trailer. Right. So before his major turn as the genie in Aladdin, he was Batty in Fern Gully. But I do believe this movie was made earlier in Australia and brought here. It came out... Really? Now, if it was made there, did they, he just no, redub the voice no, for the U.S.? No, I'm wrong. Okay. It was Australia. Yeah, it was made in Australia, but no, he always did the voice. It wasn't Maybe it was just easier to ship everything back and forth from Korea so they can animate it. Let me find out when Aladdin. Let's see. Oh, let's see. I want to know this now, don't you? Yeah. Which one came first? Ooh, not Aladdin. <laughs> I don't want that. That's that has to go with Tentagon. <laughs> Okay, uh, Aladdin came out in November. Ferngoli wins as the first animated movie in 1992 to feature Robin Williams. He's probably like, oh, I like this shit. I sit in a room and I do all my crazy <laughs> voices. They pick the best one and I get paid. So, yeah, so that was Ferngoli, beloved by everyone. Have you watched it since? Probably in not. In some time? No. I, I think oh, yeah, I, I did back in 2006 when Avatar came out. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm beating that j- joke to death. I did like Avatar, though. Yeah, it was a fun movie. Yeah, it's, I, I, I've so much eased up the, the trying to the fight. A back story the can internet. only be told so many times, yes. and you know, it's you got to look at people's intentions, and you know, if if your heart's in the right place when it comes to making a movie, and if it doesn't turn out the way the viewer wants it, you know, sometimes you just gotta accept that. Sometimes, you know. Yeah. You have a story that's going to be told and people are going to put their heart and soul in it and might not uh, work out in the end. <laughs> yeah, I think there was other movies in 1992 that, that also... Robin Williams. Starred Robin Williams. Yeah. Should we take a gander? Or listen? I'm Robin Williams and I want to open up to you a question and answer about the new movie Toys. Yes. What the hell am I going to do? Come on down. See Toys. I don't understand. Well, it's like Toys in the Hood. <laughs> behave like a buffoon. Thank you. Yes. Do you duplicate alone? That's kind of a personal question. Uh, How do you do that? I'm not going to show you because I want you to see the movie. (laughs) Toys. Now on home video. Rated PG-13. Wow, 1992 was a busy year for uh, Robin Williams. Robin was Williams. busy. What a fun, sweet family movie that I would take that movie my children to see. Was creepy as fuck. I love this movie. Joan Cusack was in it, right? Jo- yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Joan Cusack, uh, Robin Williams, uh, Michael Gambon, it was Robin- Barry Levinson, right? Uh, yeah. 
Robin Wright and LL Cool J. Also, Yardley Smith, again, had a small role in it. Oh. Um, Levinson should have stuck to the Rain Man. Rain Man, Natural, Bugsy, Wag the Dog. The guy has a lot of... I mean, they said... Uh, it's a comedy, um, too, which is it, scary. It, it is. Well, yeah, it is scary. Those damn sea swines. Um, when I was talking about Best of Intentions, actually, I read a, a movie review. I think it was the LA Times from like 1992, and they panned this. Uh, but they said you could tell that while they were making this, like everyone thought they were doing something great. Oh, really? Yeah. Like this set, it, it took the, um, over a year to build all these sets, and it shows. Um, it took up every soundstage uh, at Fox. Is this the review you're talking about, Los Angeles Times? That much sadder a failure is that everyone involved must have sincerely <laughs> felt they were doing the Lord's work. Care and concern going hand in hand with almost total miscalculation of mood. Even Robin Williams, so lively a voice in Aladdin, is a beautific automatic pilot here, preferring to be warm and cuddly when a little of his energy, paradoxically on a splendid display in the film's teaser trailer, <laughs> is despitely, <laughs> uh, desperately called for. The Grinch Who Stole Christmas seems to have stripped the life of this film, leaving it a, petty sh- a pretty shell, expensive but hollow in its place. Wow, it's got twenty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's kind of it's. I, I want to say it's a cult favorite. I love this movie. Really, it scared me as a kid. I didn't. Uh, like yeah, it. it did scare me as a kid. I thought it was weird. I, I kind of liked. I liked the pacing and the tone of it. How it was this sweet film and then got really dark. Yeah, it got really dark. Really dark. Um, but then it ends all happy. They fly away in a in an elephant yeah. shooting bubbles. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, I, I, the, I assume there was going to be fucking toys. Yeah, I think a lot of parents did. Right, there was not toys. No, L. Cool J was some sort of weird Par- army guy, future paramilitary slash kind of gangster. Can you explain the plot to me? Because I've seen it as a kid, but okay. I really couldn't tell so, you exactly what it was. Um, Robin Williams, he, uh, he works for his father who runs this toy company. He's kind of like, he's grown up in it. He's the Charlie of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory kind of thing. And he's basically, picture Robin Williams being a silly, goofy guy that doesn't know how to grow up, and that's who this character is. And then instead of handing over the company to Robin Williams when he dies, he hands it over to his brother, uh, General Zevo, who uh, down the road eventually figure out, you know what, we can make army toys. Mm. And then they realize not only can we make army toys, these army toys can be controlled, remote controlly by children who think they're playing a video game when in reality these are actually on the battlefield. This movie... Is that what we're doing with the RoboCams and our children? Yeah. This movie was a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, This really... I mean, if you made this movie now, it would be... Well, people would be talking about how it's the greatest thing in the world, how, oh, it's bringing light to drone warfare. Fox News would hate it. Uh... Also, as far as like surveillance goes and the military industrial complex and 
I don't know. As far as Robin Williams goes, just. Why was LL Cool J's name Zevo too? Uh, he was, I don't remember why, but yes, he was also a his son. Yeah. I think was Robin were, Williams really a robot? No, his uh, uh, sister Joan, was. Joan, Joan Cusack, Cusack was, was a robot. Yes. Which she kind of plays it the whole time, and you're like, oh, she must be. Or you just think she's weird, like yeah. Robin Williams. But then at the end, she gets her head blown off, and she's That's like, oh, right. no, I'm a robot. And then they, you know, they get her fixed up. No one, no one really gets hurt in any of this, even the uh, uh, General Zevo, his uncle, who was the bad guy all along. At the end, they show him he's fine. He's in the hospital, and he's like saluting the little army men as they go by. It's a very, very odd film. <laughs> I, if you haven't seen it, I say check it out, but don't like think like, oh, wow, Squeezer really said I have to see this movie. To see it to see it for what it is. And then make your own opinion. And maybe you'll like it. It's just, if you want something weird, go watch Toys. Don't watch it with your kids. Okay. All right, moving on. Something uh, more joyful. Yay. And now today's traffic report from Super Mario Kart. It's a real race out there today, folks. People are driving like animals. A turnpike split in two and a turtle shell is making travel impossible for one motorist. Over on the freeway, it's bumper to bumper, door to door, wheel to wheel, you name it. And check your rear view. Some blockheads are causing major delays. There's already been one accident there. And watch out over on I-94. A banana peel is making things a little slippery. And that's traffic. With two-player split-screen action, you've never been in a race like this. Super Mario Kart, only for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. No wonder the best play here. So who would have thought a little race cart, go-kart racing game featuring the characters of Nintendo IP would become such a hit? But then when you go back and look that Shigeru Miyamoto oversaw development, you're like, mm, man with the golden touch. So this Mario Kart has spawned an empire, so to speak, that it's one of the reasons people still buy Nintendo consoles. Zelda and Mario Kart. Because you could play Zelda, you could play the Mario Brothers platform game, but if you have friends over, you want to play Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. The, it, it originally was on Super Nintendo, and I just remember days of sitting around my brother and his friends, because I had the Super Nintendo console, and then when I got over playing it, because I, I was bad at video games, my brother kind of took it and got Mario Kart, and him and his friends would just play all day, and I'd go down and watch them, and it, it was like split screen. Like mm-hmm. it is well, it is now. Yeah, yeah it still yeah. is. Well, now it's you play online and uh, you sure. see all of your own screen. But back before it was a split screen, and then, you know, there was Mario Kart sixty four, which mm-hmm. took it even to, to in the three D realm, and that game was mind blowing. Mario Kart sixty four. Then there was Mario Kart Super Circuit, which was a Game Boy Advance version of the original Mario Kart. Then there was Double Dash for GameCube, which had two people teaming up. Mario Kart DS. Mario Kart Wii, Mario Kart 7 for Nintendo 3DS, Mario Kart 8 for Wii U, and then they just released Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for the Switch. They were originally developing a Virtual Boy version, but... Oh, that would have been... Yeah, ooh. nauseating. There's also the arcade I got, I got version, which I Mario. recently beat an Enchantress at. Oh. At the, at, like, right at the end, I came in and finished hard. Those are the best. Yes. Especially, or you hit him with a turtle shell, like yeah, right got him at with the, the finish line. Of Invincibility Star. Boom. Oh, knocked boop. it right out. Um, yeah, I want to say it was the first, like, the first party game. It was. You know, yeah, like, you was. can have a group over and play it. Like, 
that, that before you had GoldenEye. Yeah, way you before. Know, yeah. You had you had and this, before you had you Mario can, Party. Before you yeah, or uh, Super Smash Brothers or yeah. some you just everyone pile I guess like in my case, you know, I talked about Mortal Kombat, but uh yeah, this was you can have a bunch of people over, you're all hanging out on the couch and you're passing the controller around. Yes. You know, and it wasn't about, you know, beating the game, it was about beating each other. And it was a lot of and I, I think like even back then the controls on it were fantastic. Guinness World Record has Mario Kart listed for six records. First console kart racing game, best-selling racing game, longest-running kart racing franchise, and it ranked the original Super Mario Kart as number one on the list of 50 console games of all time based on initial impact and lasting legacy. Hmm. So that's pretty big. And I'm not, I'm not a racing game fan no but this I mean, neither this am was, i but this, this is, was different yeah this it, it just felt different i don't i didn't have that many racing i'd wipe out xl when i had playstation you know and uh i'd rad racer right uh bill elliott's nascar challenge which was more of a simulator so you're just not even you're just watching your rpms and like shifting and just staring at the left wheel keeping it on the line it was a lot of fun that sounds horrible it was like it was like landing on the aircraft carrier in top gun Every second of the game. Uh, wow. So that was Mario Kart, and it, uh, its legacy is still enduring to this day. From nine, back from 1992, and now we move on to something I don't even know. Is this what 1992? Hair Jordan. Mm. What? Pepsi's first. Oh, okay, we can roll that. Yeah. There was a Super Bowl ad. It's uh was pretty popular back in 1992. I think this is the first time I ever had me feelings. Introducing a whole new way to look at Pepsi and Diet Pepsi. It's beautiful. When I saw you were posting a Pepsi uh, upload on Dropbox mm -hmm. for 1992, I was like, oh shit, Squeezer's doing Crystal Pepsi. Because as we all know, that made its debut with Van Halen in 1992, and it shook the goddamn world. I, any chance I had to get my hands on a Crystal Pepsi in 1992, I got my hands on it. And this past summer, we were working a show in the outdoor music festival, and I bought one at the Rite Aid, as one would do when they see Crystal Pepsi's back. And I took one sip, and I was like, the sugar is killing me. <laughs> oh, that's when you were standing behind me for 10 minutes because I was signing up for a rewards card because I wanted <laughs> 10 cents off my bag of sunflower seeds? Yes. Uh. Oh, that was good fun. So, but what it, what it, what are we talking here? Just advertising? This was well, yeah. There was there was a couple of commercial spots that ran in '92 that kind of even linger to this. That had far-reaching. They, uh, they redid the Crawford one, right? Yeah, uh, Super Bowl Fifty. The fat English guy on late night. What's his name? James Corden. James Corden. He's hysterical. It. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and uh, Cindy Crawford comes up, goes to the Pepsi machine, and it doesn't come out. So then he comes out dressed the same. And he just, 
Well, you can look it up. It's on the internet. No. Uh, but in the little tank top and shorts and his gut just hanging out. And then the the best part about it, though, is when he's done and you see the stain of Pepsi down <laughs> the tank top where it just kind of dribbled out. Um, but, and I mean, that's 20, that was 25 years later. She was 25 in 1992 when they Still shot that gorgeous. commercial. Just if you put them side by side, looking at like the little thumbnails online when you're trying to watch the videos, you can't tell the difference, you know, even then. So, but uh, yeah, that was that was the number two Super Bowl ad when they did the uh, the metrics. Now, granted, that spot cost I don't know what it cost to produce. I mean, I'm sure it didn't cost a lot. It just had to pay for her. Uh, it still was eight hundred twenty-five thousand dollars for the slot. That's for a, a thirty-second spot. Now you're looking at five million dollars yeah. for a slot. Um, Is there another one here? Uh, yeah, the next one would be. Uh, yeah, this was the number one ad that came out of the Super Bowl that year. What's all the racket? What's up? I was only kidding. Gruesome, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> of course you know this means war. Hey, Jordan, and hey, Jordan. What'd you expect? You're my foot? Nice shot. Nice shot. This flaws them every time. <laughs> This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's all, folks. Well, that's my line. And this predated Space Jam by four years. So they saw this was so well. They're this, like, this, this is pretty much in, inspired like, Space Jam. You have like Michael. You have to retire from basketball, take up a career playing minor league <laughs> baseball, and then come back so we can make this movie Space Jam. Yes. Well, what inspired this initially was something we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. Roger Rabbit. Who framed Roger Rabbit. They saw the success of that and they're like, we combine these two monsters, you combine the three monsters, Nike, Michael Jordan, and at the time Warner Brothers was flying high too. Yeah, because of those um, gangster Bugs Bunny and Taz t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I mean, you had, a, I mean, Tiny Toons was mm-hmm. going hot at the time. Um, so... Do you know how much that commercial costs? To make? Yeah. Probably upwards of $3 million. That was only a million dollars at the time. Well, I mean, that was back then. Still, it was uh, 3,000 separate animation cells. Good goodness. Uh, 25 different animators working on it. Um, But yeah, it cost a million dollars to make that. Eventually, Space Jam would go on to make, would cost $80 million to make. But it still raked in $230 million. Mm. So a figure, if you almost look at it as this was just a trailer <laughs> that then gave you Space Jam. A teaser, if you will. A teaser, if you will. A f- the four, like, like the 27th Amendment was like 202 years. This was the longest teaser leading up <laughs> until the movie was released. Well, I mean, to be fair, the Batman v Superman teaser, I felt it was four years before the movie <laughs> came out. So disappointing. Uh, so those were the more? two. Yeah, those were the two big ads. Now there was one other guy that was doing a lot of advertising in <laughs> 1992, and uh, people actually 
watch these ads. Balancing the budget and reforming government. Good evening. Tonight we're going to talk about how to solve the problems that we define that face our country. I think we can come to the conclusion immediately with this quote. History repeats itself. The budget should be balanced. The treasury should be refilled. Home control. These are not new words. Cicero said these words over 2,000 years ago, but certainly they apply to our country today. Anytime we do anything, we try to learn from experience. Think how good we will all feel when we have these problems solved. Together, we can do it. Together, we can do anything. Thank you very much. I feel like it didn't air like that. <laughs> well, I didn't. Did you want to listen to 30 minutes of Ross Perot pointing no, at the charts? I must during that. <laughs> the first 15 seconds of that? Yeah. Um, so Ross Perot was running as an independent. Yes. Um, so he didn't have the, the platform that, you know, Clinton and Bush had, you know, and all that. So he couldn't play he, the saxophone. He couldn't play the he saxophone. He wasn't in the tiny, uh, in a Maniacs open. Uh, but he was in The Simpsons, punched a hole in his hat. <laughs> Um, so he spent his own money because he's a big, fancy billionaire, spent $60 million, $40 million in October alone. He ran nine of these 30-minute segment, like 30-minute infomercials on ABC. He spent uh, one game. He went up against game five of the World Series. Why? And ABC was like, well, because people were watching, because he aired one... During the NLCS, Braves-Pirates game, he brought in more viewers during that. So then ABC, he spent $370,000 to air that against Game 5 of the World Series. And people watched it. Good God. That was before Netflix. All right. We got to move on because I'm going to take a nap if I don't hear something good. And we talked... Well, you got me with Cindy Crawford, but you lost me with Ross Perot. And while you had me with Cindy Crawford, and we talked about meantime, I was never a master of my domain like these four friends were. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you this, though. I am never doing that again. What? You mean in your mother's house or altogether? Altogether. Oh, like, oh, oh give me yeah. a break. Right. Come on. You don't think I can? No chance. <laughs> You think you could? Well, I know I could hold out longer than you. Care to make it interesting? <laughs> sure, how much? Hundred dollars? You're on. Wait a second, wait a second. Count me in on this. You? Yeah. You'll be out before we get the check. I want to be in on this, too. Oh, no, oh, no. no. Not at all. Because you're a woman. So what? It's easier for a woman not to do it than a man. Oh. We have to do it. It's part of our lifestyle. <laughs> it's like uh, shaving. Oh, that is such a baloney. I shave my legs. Not every day. <laughs> All right, look, you want to be in? Yeah. You got to give us odds. At least two to one. You got to put up $200. No, a thousand. Now, I'll, I'll put up 150. All right, you're in for 150. Okay, 150. All right, now, how are we going to monitor this thing? Well, obviously, we all know each other very well. <laughs> I'm sure we'll all feel comfortable within the confines of the honor system. <laughs> all right, come on. Get it. 
So, Squeezer, this was ranked by TV Guide as the best episode of television ever. It is often considered by many the best episode of Seinfeld ever. It was watched by 18.5 million people when it aired. That is incredible by today's standards. It uh, won an Emmy. Well, no, no, it was nominated for a primetime Emmy and uh, Writers Guild Awards. Oh, it won an Emmy for writing. And Larry David apparently actually did this with Kenny Kramer and other people, (laughs) the people they were based on. And it was, first of all, 92 was season four of Seinfeld. What what were they talking about? They were talking about masturbation. (gasps) Right. So they managed to squeak this by in the 90s, the prude 90s. And without never ever mentioning it, mm-hmm. and it took a while to like when I saw this, I you know I didn't really know what they were talking. About. I yeah. just thought it was funny. <laughs> it would later you know go. It was a great season, sure, and uh, historic. And and the contest is a piece of television history, in my opinion. I can't believe that it's in season four in 1992 I already. Oh right, I can't believe that episode aired when I was ten. Mm-hmm. No, I was I was nine because I wouldn't turn ten till July. That is crazy. That was that was the night. That was Seinfeld. It still holds up. Mm-hmm. Well, now that I know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Took well, how many years ago was nineteen ninety two from today? Twenty five. Well, that was pretty quick. Yeah, that was yeah. math. Nice. Yeah. I did some uh, pre math. I got some. I got my paper and my pencils out. I did some pre work, pre show math. So I would look like I knew what I was talking oh. about. So I just so I take the seven Why and then like the two crashes into it and it sprinkles down into a five. That's why I have to do my my visual. I don't think I know your next one. Really? Was it a Disney Channel show? It was a Disney Channel show. I'm gonna look it up while we play this. Okay. <laughs> This was uh, some weird Disney Channel stuff from the 90s. Where did uh, where'd you get this one from? Did you watch uh, this? I, I do. I did watch this. Uh, I completely forgot about it. Uh, I forgot Amanda, about it. Until Amanda I, just... had, I asked her, hey, what, the, what do you remember from 1992? And she just goes, was Adventures in Wonderland in 92? Uh, she like, pulled that right away. Let me, it was just right off the top of her head. I'm like, let me look. And conveniently enough... It, uh, yeah, it debuted in 92 in a Disney Channel. ran from 92 to 95. Um, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Harnois, I don't know. She was in CSI recently. Elizabeth with an S. Um, she played Alice. And, yeah, she would go through the, through the mirror, through the looking glass, and back into Wonderland. And by 
helping all of her Wonderland friends solve their problems, it would help her solve her real-world problems back home. So she would have a greater insight. So she wouldn't just have to talk to her cat all the time. Um, it, yeah, it was based off the you know Lewis Carroll works. Uh, you had your Red Queen, White Rabbit, for some reason, uh, always had rollerblades on. That's how he got around. And then you had your Mad Hatter, March Hare, the Caterpillar, which is just very just creepy. He creeped you out. Mm-hmm. There was a walrus that they brought in at some point to teach about, like, discrimination. And then, you know, you had your Cheshire Cat and Dormouse. Um, this thing was nominated for a... It got a number of uh, Emmy noms for... Uh, uh, hair, makeup, costume, all that, because there was a lot of that, and everyone had some kind of uh, attire. Now, if you look at it, it looks kind of cheesy now, but if you think about it for the time, 92, uh, yeah, they put a lot of work into that show for it. They shot it in Florida for a couple seasons before they moved it to L.A., um, and, it, you know, it's Disney, so they had the money, they had the budget. They weren't the, I mean, Disney was a, a monster, sure, but it wasn't like they had, it wasn't, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars monster that it is now. Right. Now it's just this... Uh, well, and then uh, they had money because Disney Channel was a pay channel back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you had it because mm-hmm. you were near the package. I had it because we stole cable. Um, and so, like, you know, I can talk about Babar because we had HBO too. It was pretty sweet. And one day they called and wanted us to pay. We're like, nah. Like, well, we'll cut your cable. All right. So they cut our cable, and we called the other cable company, and they hooked us right up. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and then I had to stop watching Adventures in Wonderland. But there is a, I don't know, you probably wouldn't recognize any of the cast from that show, but you would recognize uh, one individual, uh, perhaps one of the Tweedles, who is played by Harry Waters Jr., who you might know as this guy. Jump! Jump! It's Marvin! Your cousin, Marvin Barry. You know that new sound you're looking for? Well, listen to this. Oh, Back yeah. to the Future. Tweedledee was Marvin Barry. Ah. Marvin Barry, Johnny Be Good. So, <clears throat> now I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I got into a rabbit hole of old Disney Channel shows. Mm-hmm. Remember Dumbo Circus? The big, like, uh, it was, in, you know, the old Teddy Rupskin show with, like, yeah. the puppets? Where mm-hmm. It was Dumble Circus was kind of insane. But there was some sort of cat circus. It was something zoo. Um, I'm trying to look it up. Might have to dig deep on that. Yeah, I'll probably. Was it, like, in the vein of, like, the live-action Winnie the Poohs? Well, that no. Welcome to Pooh Corner was the same production company that Dumbo Circus was. Okay. But there was there's another show where they looked like the cast of Cats, but it was it was uh, it was like a circus. Ah, this is not that is not ringing a bell. Hmm. Uh, oh well. So, <laughs> Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. <laughs> I guess it's my turn, right? Yeah, you want to take the e-brake off and we'll uh, yeah, get going? Might as well. We're going into a tan- When I'm digging a tangent hole. It's- I, well, I we- got a- It's my fault. I should have mic'd up the, the keyboard again. <laughs> we talked about what a powerhouse Michael Jordan was, right? Yes, we did. In 1992, if you were a powerhouse like Michael Jordan, 
you teamed up with probably the biggest powerhouse in fast food, which was McDonald's, right? Sure. And we can't do a show without me bringing some obscure McDonald's promo. Here we go. L.A. is feeling blue. Detroit's the same way, too. Because only one team can repeat. And only one town gets to eat. The McJordan Special. Now it's back in town. It's some awfully good eating. That's why it bears repeating. The McJordan Special is back in town. McDonald's today. So there was a McJordan Special Burger, which was a burger with with uh, bacon and the special Jordan barbecue sauce. Now, this Jordan barbecue sauce, I never had it myself, but this stuff must have been like the semen of God because here is a story from a few years ago about a sale of this last bastion of Jordan's McJordan barbecue sauce. A gallon of McDonald's McJordan barbecue sauce sold for almost $10,000 on eBay. The sauce was part of McDonald's limited edition McJordan burger from 1992. So what's the verdict on dropping 10 stacks on Jordan's barbecue sauce? Disgusting or delicious? I gotta go with absurdly delicious. Michael Jordan, McDonald's, and barbecue sauce are three of America's greatest treasures. And it's just one more example of MJ's next level boss status. Yes, someone bought a gallon, like, industrial container Mm -hmm. with the label on it, with a white label. It was a clear gallon container of McJordan barbecue sauce for $9,995 on eBay. That's the swagger. That's F-U money. That this man carries. That seems like something I would do. Yeah. Oh, boy. So, yeah, the... Not, no early 90 or 80 or late 80 show is complete without a McDonald's time. No, of course not. Even, you know, I would never eat there now as a grown up, but as yeah, a child, sometimes, it yeah, was but magical. Sometimes it's got to be a necessity and but, you just. Yeah, they marketed to then, us. So. Then I feel like hell the next day. But yeah, oh man, I would dream of that. I'm so excited to go to McDonald's. Yeah. Man, I don't understand, though, because I ate... Th- I mean, I didn't eat there all the time, but I ate there enough. You'd think I would have been a good basketball player. <laughs> they also I, just, had, I just assumed that he ate that before every game. Oh, yeah, probably. They also had the Big 33 up in Boston, which was the same burger, just a different type of barbecue sauce, or probably the same shit for Larry mm-hmm. Bird. Uh, yeah. The rest of the world had the Big Jordan Classic, yeah, but no. in Boston, they had the Big 33. That makes sense that... yeah. The Jordan Bird thing was huge. It was even a Nintendo game, Jordan versus I, it's Bird. It's my favorite basketball game out there. I still have it. I just pl- I was playing it not too long ago. There you go. Soundtrack's awesome on it. Jordan versus Bird. Mm-hmm. Even though like I, when I think Larry Bird, I think of Magic Johnson, not as his enemy, not I, it was, Air Jordan. Yeah, but it was they just wanted to market it. Yeah. Yeah. It was your white guy and your good current good basketball player who was African-American. Mm-hmm. That was marketing in the 80s and 90s. It still works today. It still does. At least in politics. Well, you know what else is current today? Trying to kill and weed out Nazis. (laughs) 
picked up a key or gold or food. That was a that was a health power up. Health power up. Just I was gonna just play. I had I had the soundtrack and I was just listening to it. I'm like it's not enough. You you need the sound effects to really get the point across. That makes Wolfenstein 3D what it is. Uh, ooh, what was that? That might have been ammo. Ammo, yeah. Yeah. So, Wolfenstein 3D out of, is it id? Yeah. Or id? Id, right? Id, whatever. I, I was looking at the, uh, how you pronounce it, and then even when reading that online, I still couldn't figure it out. That was like 20 minutes of me trying to understand how the English language works. Uh, in 1992, made the godfather of all first-person 3D shooters, and that's Wolfenstein 3D. Uh, B.J. Blakowski, he's a allied spy and soldier, has to escape from Castle Wolfenstein and then stop the Nazis from reanimating the dead to make a, a Nazi zombie army and eventually go on and fight a Hitler wearing a mech suit with four miniguns attached to him. And I don't think I ever survived that battle, actually. Maybe once. I did, I, on my iPhone. Oh. I I'm, ta- I'm talking my... playing on DOS. No. Because this was, it was originally We only had MS the DOS shareware game. version, so it was one level. Well, <laughs> see, I had, I brought my copy with me. I didn't have, my friend had it. I had Wolf 3D Mania, which, which was. had all the, the, the packs. Who made this? This was. They had all those shareware versions on discs. Yeah. This there is, was one with Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Barney. Hillary the, Clinton was yeah, in there's one. The, there's the Barney one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, this, technically it's illegal. Uh, it's massive copyright violation. Um, yeah, shareware was uh, the modern day. Well, I guess I don't know. You're supposed to share I mean, look, it and then look buy at that it. beautiful yellow disc. Yeah. Tech Express Software, San Jose, California. But uh, yeah, I love this game. I first played this on my friend's dad, the first computer I think I, other than like an Apple II in school where we played Oregon Trail. Uh, his dad brought home a laptop from work. He worked in a lab, and. We boot up, he had Wolfenstein on it, and we'd just lay there on the floor, probably setting the carpet on fire if there's this laptop sitting on the floor, uh, playing Wolfenstein 3D. I would play the shareware three-and-a-half-inch floppy disk on my dad's candy monochromatic blue screen laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... With the rollerball mouse. Uh, I wonder if it had a rollerball. It might have. Uh, and eventually... It was it, monochromatic blue? Yeah, yeah. yep. Uh, eventually, I got when I got myself this nice uh, Wolf 3D Mania. I, uh, I was playing it in in full beautiful color, but uh, so it was, the game was 3D. The levels were rendered in 3D, but the, the enemies were still 2D sprites. Yes. So they kind of nicknamed it like two and a half, 2.5D. Um, They'd go and fix that with Doom. The, Doom mm-hmm. the same engine would be used to make Doom and Duke Nukem and. Multitude of games. Um, the real engine is that what it was called? I don't know if real happened just at that time. The ID um, engine, probably. But uh, what what I found was you can go in and I found the files for all these two D sprites. Oh, that's how they changed them. Um, so I went in and in just regular old paint, I would go in and I edited each one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, because each like I just animated the death frames. And each one was only like five or six animations. So I just re-edited them. So like 
certain the one guy like his whole head would get blown off and i'd animate like little specks of blood the dog i would it actually crashed when i did the dog because i had nothing left but a paw like uh the ss guys in blue like i would have their knee like i would shoot out their knees and then i actually the last one where they're laying there i had to animate so you just see like stumps you were a sick child i really should have gone in the game in the programming you should have i was so close so I didn't have the patience for it. I'm going to, I'm going to do a call back to our, our uh, e-brake tunnel that I was just trapped mm-hmm. in in the last segment. I found it. So I was Googling Zuzu Circus because I, I had the name in my head. It was Zubily Zoo. Remember Zubily Zoo? I do not. It fits what we're talking about because it premiered on the Disney Channel in 1992. I got to go back and look at So this. as soon as I saw this... Adventures in Wonderland, I was like, oh, all these shows came up in my head. And I'm like, Zubily Zoo. If I, if I show you Zubily Zoo, mm-hmm. you are going to recognize it because it is terrifying. Yeah, and what was it about creeping kids out back then? Live action. Yeah, they can never get it. Oh, God, I remember that. You got to remember yep. it, yeah. Zubily Zoo. Why? Why would Freak you do shows. that? I was just thinking, it was like something like, they're, they're kind of look like this, that, 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 that Broadway show, Cats. Mm-hmm. Those commercials used to freak me out at the Winter Garden Theater. Cats. That would air when you were watching uh, uh, wrestling superstars on Channel 11, <laughs> WPIX. That local New York spot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sorry. Sorry to, to jump in there with Zubilee Zoo. No, but. I'm glad. I wanna, I'm going to go back and watch some Zubilee Zoo now. And get, I don't, did we not find it creepy as kids? Did we just think it was? Well, also that Dumbo Circus was, was kind of creepy if you think about it, right? Was it the first steps towards the uncanny valley is what oh, it yeah. was? Oh yeah, absolutely. But as kids, you know, you're just, you're just, you're just too dumb to, to, I think, give a shit. You're just like, ah, oh, this is fun. It's bright and colorful and fluffy. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, we said it all about 1992. And, you know, I'm going to leave you with a little Billy Ray Cyrus, oh. father of Miley. His song, Achy Breaky Heart. If it wasn't for 1992. We wouldn't have a Miley Cyrus. We wouldn't have a Miley Cyrus. Because this was his first and only hit. And this was when she was she was born in 92. Was she? Yeah. So he was all randy off his Achy Breaky Heart. Oh, probably, money. yeah. Got himself a uh, uh, Yeah. All right, well, what are we talking about next week, Squeeze? Oh, next week, I believe we're going to go and what we do best, and we're just going to talk action figures. Finally talk action figures? Finally talk some more action figures. Well, for the Rad Years, I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. I'll see you next week. I just don't think you'd understand. And if you tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart, he might blow.